Amen. Remain standing, if you would please take your Bibles this evening and turn with me to the book of the book of Mark, chapter number nine. Book of Mark, chapter number nine, this evening. Mark, chapter number nine, and uh, verse number fourteen is where we'll begin reading, and we'll read down through verse number twenty-nine. Mark, chapter number nine, verse number fourteen. I'll read verse 14, join me on 15, so on down through verse 29. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And who, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And he brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind came forth prayer and fasting. And let's ask the Lord to help us now. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in church this evening. And it is a great honor to be here and be with God's people. And it's an honor to be able to open the Bible up, to, to just be able to hold one in our hands tonight, uh, the very Word of God. And I pray that you'll speak to us about these things tonight, that, uh, Lord, help us with our unbelief. And so, Father, just guide and direct us. And again, if someone's here not saved, pray you save them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We find our Lord in the kind of the backstory here in chapter number nine. And the story is told about the transfiguration. Oh, how that must have been. You know, I, oftentimes I, I try to picture in my mind uh, what it must have been like to see those things and the, the transfiguration, how that must have been to see. And, and also when I'm reading the story here, I'm thinking, you know, just to be able to be there that, at that time. And, and uh, I, I wouldn't be thrilled about seeing what was happening with that young man and, and uh, some of the problems that he had. But, uh, you know, I, what I think is so, so exciting there that the Lord told the, the devil to come out of him, and he did. And, uh, you know, what a difference it makes in a person when the devil leaves, amen. And that's what happened here was a wonderful story. And, 
And uh, so, but, but here's the thing, the, the, the disciples, three of uh, the Lord's disciples, Peter, James, and John, were up on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord. And uh, what an exciting time that was. The Lord was transfigured. They saw him in, in, in all majesty. And, and, uh, and they were so excited about it. Remember old Peter, he wanted to, wanted to do some special tabernacle building there for that. And, uh, so, uh, but uh, the Lord said, no, we don't need to do that now. And so they've come back down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And now they're met with some uh, people that are, are questioning the other disciples there. And, and uh, the, I think probably the question I get from this here, the question that these men, uh, these scribes, uh, who were actually the enemies of Christ, uh, they, were, they were there. And I thought it was interesting. You know, here's these people that really enemies of Christ, but they're around God's people there. And, of course, the other disciples were there with them. So here comes Jesus and, and P, James, Peter, uh, James, Peter, and John. They've come down from the mount, and, and, and the Lord finds these scribes. They're asking these other disciples about uh, why couldn't you help the child? And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting there. There's one little lesson we can get from that, and that is this, that, you know, they were evidently watching the, the disciples. They were watching to see what they could do and what they couldn't do, how they would act, and how they would react to what was going on. You understand that, that this whole world is watching us. You know, I, I believe this all my heart. I believe our parking lot is a testimony. You say, why? Well, as I look out right now, I see a vehicle coming down the, the, the road there. And you know what? Probably people are going to notice out here in the middle of the country that there's a parking lot with some cars in it. And by the way, it's a church. There's a testimony something's going on here, and I don't know who it is that's driving by, and they ought to be in here. I believe that. Hey, come on in here. But uh, uh, I, I would love to see them come in here. But, but the thing is, the test, it's a testimony. You know, they watch. People see. I've had people before say, well, I didn't see any cars at your church or something, you know, uh, to that effect. And, and, and maybe certain times that we've had. And uh, uh, people notice, and, and, and uh, the world does notice. Even the haters of God, they watch God's people. I think sometimes to look for things that they can throw in our face, and we give them a lot of things that they can do that about. But uh, they, they, were, they were watching there and watching how that God's people would act and react. Now, you think about what was happening here. Here was a man who had a son that had really bad problems. And these scribes and Pharisees are thinking, you know, I wonder how they're going to be able to handle this. Well, I believe this father understood what it was to handle it. He needed the Lord. He needed the Lord. And so while the, they were on the mount, this man with a child with a dumb spirit has come, and the other disciples were there, but they couldn't do anything about him. They were not able to help him. And so the, the, the father decided he needed to talk to the Lord, and, and uh, he came to the Lord, and then, of course, we know the story there that the Lord was able to heal him. I'm glad that God's in the healing business. Amen. You know, sometimes God takes the disease from our bodies, and sometimes he allows us to have those diseases, but he gives us grace in the time of the diseases. And even this, you know, I've heard people say this too before, and this is so true, that, you know, sometimes we die of our diseases. You say, well, then God didn't heal. I'll tell you what, there's a healing effect of heaven. Amen. So when we die, we actually really being healed by the Lord uh, with that place called heaven. This, you know, to be absent from the body where the disease is at is to be present with the Lord where the de disease is not. 
That's a wonderful thought tonight there. But the disciples, they, they couldn't do it. And, and uh, so uh, it's exciting here. The Lord cast this devil out of, out of, this, out of this young man. And, and uh, they went to the house there. And uh, if you notice there in verse number 28, and when he was come into the house, his disciples, disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? He said, Lord, why, can't, why couldn't we do it? I think they really wanted to, but they could not do it. I believe what we find here was that, and God gave the answer in verse 29. He said to them, this kind can come forth uh, by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And so he gave them the answer of what it was going to take. But that's not what I want to talk to you about tonight. Now, if you saw about prayer and fasting, prayer doesn't scare us as much probably sometimes as fasting does. But, you know, sometimes there's times when we need to just pray and fast. That means we go without food. We really spend that. And it's not just saying I'm going about the food. I believe it's spending that time in prayer uh, when, we're, when we're saying, all right, I'm going to skip lunch and I'm going to pray. That's what I believe that prayer and fasting is all about there. But that, that's, that was, that's another sermon right there. But I look at something interesting here in this portion of Scripture, and I find a mixture of something. If you, if you back up there to verse number 24, it said, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, now look at this. He said, I believe. And yet at the same breath, he says, Help thou mine, what? Unbelief. He said, I believe, but I need help with my unbelief. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting here. And, and then we find the reaction of our, of our, of our, of our Savior and uh, verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more unto, into him. And he did. He cast that, that evil spirit out of him. And, and, and so what we find, though, about this man, and this is what I kind of want to talk to you about, is with this man he had belief and unbelief. Have you ever heard the, uh, the, the thing called oxymoron? All righty. Now, we probably all know the word moron, right? But oxymoron, oxymoron, oxy means this. It means sharp, keen, pointed. Moron means dull, stupid, foolish. And what it is, it's, it's two different things. So oxy, sharp, keen, pointed, that sounds like a good thing. And then moron means dull, stupid, foolish. Uh, there's... In, in high school, we have freshmen and then sophomores. And you know, you know what the word sophomore is? It's an oxymoron. It, softs, that S-O-P-H-O-S is the original part of that word there. Softs mean wise. And moros means fool. In other words, a wise fool. What grade are you in? Sophomore. You're only half of that statement, buddy, I'll tell you right now. And I'm not going to tell you which half I believe you are. But that's an oxymoron. You know, I, I remember when I was in school, I thought it was so cool to finally, instead of having number grades, we came to the place, well, I'm a freshman. You know, I'm a sophomore. I'm a junior and didn't look forward to that time. I'm a senior. And the greatest of all, I'm a graduate. Got it all done, amen. But, uh, you know, it, it's an oxymoron. I think about... Uh, We've heard a lot of this, you know, with the, uh, with, with the, the, the uh, uh, plague that we had, the uh, what was it? COVID, that's it, COVID. 
and should remember that. We heard it and have it shoved down our, our throats for so much, and now everybody's masking up again. You know, after they find out that the masks really don't help and they're saying everybody mask again, but of course they want to control everything. Amen. That's another sermon too. You've got to come back because i got some more. <laughs> Remember, we, we, we heard about social distancing. You know what that is? Oxymoron. Social means this. It means social means uh, uh, gathering. So we gather social. Distancing means this, space between two points or a gap. So it's like gathering and separating. Oxymoron. How about this one? Have you heard this one? The new normal. The new normal. And I think sometimes, oh, but you know what that is? That's another oxymoron. That uh, new means not existing before. And normal means usually typical, usually, and typical state of condition. In other words, it's not really new, so it's an oxymoron. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's what that is. I just told you those to kind of give you an idea because maybe you didn't pay attention in English class when we learned those things. But what we have here is kind of an oxymoron where he said, I have, I believe. But what's the opposite of it? He says, help my unbelief. You know, to me, it's like either you do or you don't. But according to the scripture here, the man had believed and yet he had a problem with not believing, unbelief. You see, what unbelief does, it destroys belief. That's why the man said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He says, Lord, I need some help. I really believe you, but I need some help on this. Believe means to accept as true or to be sure of something. I believe the Bible. I accept it as true. I am assured of the word of God that this is the word of God. Amen. You say, well, there's people who say, well, it's not really. It's just the thoughts, you know. No, no, it is the word of God. I believe that God verbally inspired the word of God. God gave the words to those men that wrote down. People say, well, you know, some men wrote that down. I mean, really, you have a hard time with that, thinking God couldn't have some men write it down correctly? Why, God spoke and the earth was here. God spoke and everything came into existence. Why couldn't God just speak and say, hey, sir, write this. Paul, write this. And he could go right down. David, write this. I believe God would do that. Amen. And so I, I believe. So believe means to accept is true, to be sure of something. Unbelief is skepticism or an absence of faith. This man had this, I know, but yet I don't have the faith that I should have. I find the word unbelief is really a New Testament word. It's found only 16 times in the New Testament. Two times in the book of Matthew, three times in the book of Mark, six times in the book of Romans, one time in 1 Timothy, and four times in the book of Hebrews. Unbelief. You see, unbelief is several different things. One of them is this. Unbelief is sin. Amen. It's sin. Romans 14, 23 says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. How many times do we sin because we don't have faith? Huh? Turn the news on and start worrying? Come on. We do sometimes, don't we? You know why? Because we just lack in faith to knowing that God will work things out. God will take care of us. You know, you say, well, preacher, you know, it just sounds like... Don't worry about global warming. You know, there's something worse than global warming is going to happen one of these days. The Lord's going to come back. Trumpet's going to sound. We're out of here. I feel sorry for those who will be left behind. 
It's going to be a horrible thing that's going to go on during that tribulation period. Global warming will not be the problem they're worrying about. But unbelief is sin. So if I just don't really trust God, I'm sinning. That's what the Bible says. Unbelief is also displeasing to God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God. I want to please God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if I don't have that faith, I cannot please God. He said, preacher, I'm just worried about everything all the time. That's a sign there that you're not believing him. You say, oh, I believe him. But then you have unbelief. That's kind of what this man had at that time. It says, it said in that verse, Hebrews eleven six. let me finish it, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Just believe him. That's why, you know what, I don't doubt whether I'm saved or not. I believe God. He said, for whosoever, I'm a whosoever, shall call upon the name of the Lord. I called upon him. I didn't call on the Pope. I didn't call on a Baptist preacher. I didn't call on a deacon. I didn't call on my mom. I called on him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. I like that period at the end. You heard me say, I don't, it's not a comma. It doesn't say comma till you go do something else. Period, that he saved me. I know I'm saved. You say, well, you think you're something. No, I know I'm a sinner. But praise God, I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. Uh, my, my, my eternity is in his hands. The Bible says no man can pluck me out of his hands. So the devil could try to do it, but he can't do it. Nobody else can do it. You say, well, you could jump out of his hands. Oh, really? His hands span the universe. Try that one. I don't know about you, but if I had to run to my car right now, I don't think I could make it. Let alone run out of the hand of God. Amen. Uh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You know, I, I, I want to believe him, but unbelief is displeasing to God. I want to please him. You know what will please him? Have faith. Have faith. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief, the man said. I believe unbelief also limits God. I don't want God to be limited, do you? You say, well, God can do everything. Well, listen to this, all right? Matthew fifteen fifty eight, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. More things would have been able to have been done if the people had believed him. You know, I wonder what God could do in our lives if we would believe him. Amen. So, well, that probably ain't going to happen. I know that's how we are. We, we do look at the negative a lot. We need to believe him. You know, to, unbelief, it limits God. I don't want God to be limited. I want God to do whatever he wants to do. Amen. In my life, in your life, in our church life, believe God. God can. Amen. This man here again, he's got his son there, and his son has got this devil in him, and, 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 he, need, and he wants something to happen here. And he said, Lord, I, I believe, but he, you know what you're saying? But there's still some area in my life that I just ha- don't believe you like I should. Help my unbelief. Unbelief makes the possible impossible. Matthew 17, 20 says this, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You know, we, we, we need to understand that unbelief makes the, the possible impossible. I believe with God all things are possible, but we've got to have faith and belief in him. Trust him. I know you can. You know, Republicans all got on, on the stage there the other day. Well, most of them did. And they were all, they all have this idea that things will be better if they get in. Ain't going to happen. 
And, and the Democrats, well, we don't have to worry about them. You know, what's his name's going to stay in the basement so we don't have to worry about listening to him there. But he's not going to do anything either. And if Kamala gets in, we're shot. But you know, I mean, you think about this. There's not, there's not one in politics that's going to get us out of anything. We're still, I mean, we're still in big trouble, but we have somebody that's able to help us. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, I believe in voting. I think we ought to vote. But I'll tell you what, I'll, you can do something even greater than voting. Go to church and be a witness for Christ. You see. Unbelief makes it possible, impossible. Unbelief can cause one to quit on God. We've got a missionary coming. You know what his last name is? Quit. I had a hard time in letting him come here. I'm still thinking when, I, when he gets here, I'm going to have to tell him, say, listen, brother, I, I, I appreciate it, but I'm going to call you by your first name. I'm not going to call him Brother Quit. I'm going to call him by his first name. I'll call him Brother... I can't think of what it is right now. I'll have to get him a name tag too. But uh, I can't think of what his name is, but I'm not going to call him Quit. I hate that word quit. It's not in my dictionary. I cut it out. I don't have that quit or compromise in my dictionary. But you know, you know I, I believe un, uh, uh, when, when we have unbelief, we'll quit. When I just don't think I can make it. Don't you think God can see us through? If God saved us, we got born again, so we're as babes in Christ, and then we grow. Do you think God can see us through to that day when the trumpet sounds? Or we take our last breath? Yeah. Unbelief causes us to quit. And there's no time to quit. We ought to get busy for the Lord. Amen. You know, uh, did, did, I, did I read the verse to you? Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, it's an evil thing not to believe God. Amen. And it's pretty important to believe the Lord. Lord, I believe. But he said, help my unbelief. There's something interesting here in this story, too. And I said, that, that man, he had the unbelief along with his belief. He had, he had both. You know, it's almost like, how can you have both? But that's evidently what it was going on here. He said, help me, help thou mine unbelief. Now, what I like about this, this dad here, he still loved his son as bad as his son was. Did you read how bad this guy was? I mean, there was a devil in him. Look, look, at, look at verse number 18. It said, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and spake to my disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Well, how sad that was. This man has gone there hoping and trusting and believing that something can happen, and nothing's happened. This man has been with this boy. I don't know how long. It sounds to me like a long time. This boy had some big-time problems. But I have to say this. Thank the Lord his daddy loved him. His dad didn't give up on him and say, well, you know, I'll just put you in an institution. I'll just forget about you. Why, you, have, you just got this devil. No, you know what he did? Think about it. What was, what was bothering this boy was an a, a, a evil spirit. And he could have said, you know, I don't want anything to do with him. But he still loved that boy even in the situation that he was in. Look at verse number 20. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. 
Look at, look at verse number 22. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But thou canst do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. Can you imagine this dad has put up with times when his son just fell into the fire. I'm sure that this boy was marked by burns all over his body. I think his dad had burns on him too. Don't you think this dad, if he brought him to be healed and have the spirit cast out, don't you think his dad had crawled up to that fire and reached in that fire and pulled his son out? His daddy really loved him. The times that he fell in the water, his daddy went in and rescued him from drowning. He loved him. Evidently, this has been going on for years. I can't imagine the life that that dad had. Can't imagine the life that that boy had. I believe it was beyond the boy's uh, 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 having control. That spirit, spirit was in him and was controlling him. What a horrible life for him, but I also say for his dad in that situation. So you can imagine he's heard about Jesus. He thought, well, I'll bring him to Jesus and surely the Lord will heal him. But there was a little bit of problem. He still had some unbelief. But he got there and Jesus wasn't there. Where was Jesus? He was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with three disciples. They're taking care of some business there. This man come and all of a sudden I can imagine he's looking around and saying, where's Jesus? And they're saying, well, he's not here right now. Can we help you? And the disciples say, and, and the man says, well, here's my son. He began to tell them all that was going on. And they couldn't help him. Could you imagine the disappointment? That man had such high hopes that his son would be all right. And now he's come and talked to these, these men. And now nothing's able to happen for him there. And, 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 and as the last part of verse number 18, it says, and they could not. And they could not. I thought, how sad. I believe this. I believe those men could have. Look at verse 19. He answered answereth him and saith O faithless generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I suffer you bring him unto me he was saying you know you know what your problem is fellas you just need some faith you need to believe I believe the disciples were in no place spiritually to be able to handle this situation folks the world needs us to be in the right spiritual situation we ought to be in we need to be fit spiritually for the task that's before us. But these men weren't able to do it. How sad it must have been. How disappointed the man must have been there at this time. But this man also had faith in the Lord. He said about it. You know he came and he brought him to the master. In verse 17. We find you know in verse number 20. They brought him. And, 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 and uh, uh, when they brought him. And the spirit. The evil spirit was causing all kinds of problems in him. And then verse number 20, 22, and it says about this, and this man's crying out, says, have compassion on us and help us. It was disappointing with the disciples, which brought that unbelief. He's thinking, you know, why couldn't you guys have done something? I believe he thought they would. I believe he believed that they would and could. But he found out they couldn't do it. And now he's having trouble. Can I really trust him? Can I really believe him? What I do like about this dad was this. Not only did he stay with his son, not only he had enough sense to go to the Lord, 
but he's willing to admit his flaws. What did he say there in that verse again? In straight, verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, he's brokenhearted, Lord, I believe he could have just left it there. He could have said, Lord, I believe, I trust you. But he was honest with the Lord. Let me tell you something. One of the most important things in our life is to be honest with the Lord. You know, you know we, we, try, we, we kind of think we could pull the wool over the Lord's eyes. You can't do it. This man was honest with the Lord. He said, Lord, I believe. I really do. I, I, I believe you. But, Lord, there's also something there that I need some help with. Help my unbelief. He knew there was some unbelief there. Now, let's not be so hard on this man because sometimes that happens to us too. Lord, I believe you, but Lord, I really believe you're going to do this, but Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Unbelief is sometimes, I hate to say it, but unbelief is sometimes found in the Christian's life. Now, we can sit there and adjust our halos, but the fact of the matter is sometimes we just don't trust them like we should. We get our eyes on everything that's going on think we can't do it. I wonder if the disciples were like that. They're looking at this guy. He's throwing himself in the fire and all these things going on. They're probably thinking, what can we do about it? They could have. But this, this dad brings him to him, and, and what does he do? He's not too proud to say, Lord, I've got a problem here. I still got some unbelief. Folks, until we recognize we've got a problem, we're never going to get a help with it. We've got to realize, Lord, help me. I need you. You know the song we sing, I need thee? How often? Every hour. Oh, I need thee. We need him to help us there. Help me with my unbelief. We ought to believe all the time, but sometimes unbelief creeps in. Let me tell you this, though. You're in good company, although it's wrong for us to have that unbelief. But I find in the book of Psalms, just in the book of Psalms, I find the word how long 15 times. How long, O oh Lord? You know what that is? It's, it's lacking faith. There's the, there's the word why 24 times. 22 times the word help is there. Eight times the word forsake is there. My Bible tells me he'll never leave us or forsake us. And yet what happens, even the psalmist sometimes said, Lord, it just seemed like you've forsaken me. Lord, I need, help me, Lord. Why? How long? Sometimes it seems like we're at the end of our rope, doesn't it? He said, I've been praying about that for a long time. Believe him. Trust him. Sometimes we're at the end of our rope, too. It sounds like that's what happened to this man here. He just didn't know what to do. Can you imagine all this he's been putting up with? He's probably prayed a lot. Nothing's happened. And then he brings the boy there, and the Lord's not there. And so the disciples are there, and he's thinking, well, sure enough, with these nine disciples, somebody ought to be able to help me. But nobody was able to help him until Jesus came down. I understand sometimes when we don't have faith in other people. You know, sometimes I've had people say, yeah, I'll be there on Sunday and not show up. I honestly, I sometimes have trouble just believing people. It happens to all of us, doesn't it? You know, politicians, you vote me in for president, I'm going to do this and that. I'll be honest with you, I don't believe them. I have trouble with unbelief sometimes when it comes to other people. But you know what? We've got to make sure we don't 
have unbelief when it comes to the Lord. With tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. But you know, the real story is not just the belief and unbelief. The real story is this, the compassion that the Lord had on this man. Look at verse number 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. <laughs> but wait a minute, Jesus was there, wasn't he? Verse 27, But Jesus took him by the hand, lift him up, lifted him up, and he arose. You see what the Lord had? He had compassion on him, didn't he? You know, no matter what the situation is, and even with the situation with the father, he had faith, but yet he wanted some help with his unbelief. There's a God in heaven that had compassion on him. Good news for you tonight. God loves you too. God has compassion on us. You know, think of that young man. What a testimony he had. Boy, I used to throw myself in the fire and, and throw myself in the water to drown. And I used to cut myself. I foam at the mouth. But I'll tell you what, Jesus came by. He saved me. One day we were old sinners on our way to hell. Jesus came by and saved us. Amen. He saved us. You know what I find here? The Father made the confession I believe, help thou my unbelief. But I read this over and over again, and I find out nowhere here did the Lord rebuke this father. The Lord didn't rebuke him for it. He didn't say, well, you know, if you just had more faith. But the man was honest and said, Lord, help my unbelief. Help thou mine unbelief. But Jesus had no rebuke for him. You know, Psalm 78, 38, and 39, love this, listen to it. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. And destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away. And did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh. A wind that passeth away and cometh not again. I am so glad that I have a God that's full of compassion. Amen. You say, preacher, I, I, is God really so full of compassion? You know, you know what? You know, one reason I know God's full of compassion. I'm not burning in hell. That's where we all deserve to be right now. We deserve to be burning in hell. But God has compassion on us. God loves you more than anybody else in the whole wide world. Moms and dads, you love your kids. Man, I love them so much. Let me tell you something. God loves them even more. He loves our old rotten selves too, doesn't he? God loved this this boy. Compassion on this man and on this boy. Could you imagine how wonderful it was? You know, I oftentimes think about in this story, the ride home. Can you imagine they're going home, they get in the, in the, in the, in the station wagon, they're on their way home, and, uh, you know, they're, but they're on their way home with a camel or whatever, they're walking. I, but can you imagine the boy's skipping along with his dad and says, oh, dad, this is great. Hey, doesn't, doesn't in the sky so much clearer? Oh, dad, I mean, air just seems to be so much better fragrance to it. They didn't live in the country, all right? And, uh, you know, it, it, just, it just seems like so much is so, so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Oh, Dad, I love it. Can you imagine how wonderful it was? They go by, and someone's burning some trash out there, and the boy goes, look at Daddy. I don't have no desire to go jump in that fire anymore. They go by the creek, and he said, Daddy, I don't want to jump in that creek. I'm fine. Let's go home. I'm wondering maybe they wanted to go home and see Mom. 
I don't say that, but I kind of think this, man, when he got right there and, and the devil was cast out of him, I believe there was a great love for his daddy and for his mom. Amen. The Lord was full of compassion. Oh, I'm so glad that he has compassion for you and I. Psalm, said, Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. You know, the Lord's not surprised we fail. He knows what we're made out of. He figured that out a long time ago with Adam and Eve, didn't he? And the Lord said everybody ever since then, too, failed. But he still loves us. But I think there's something wonderful also about this story here. The Lord gave the father the desire of his heart. I believe that daddy, many a night, his son finally just drug him out of fire, put some bandages on him. Finally, the boy's going to sleep. It gets quiet in the house, and I can imagine his daddy praying, so God, heal my son. God, do something. And then God healed him. God cast that devil, that devil out of him, that spirit out of him. Can you imagine that first night they got back? He takes the boy to his room and says, son, go ahead, tucks him in, kisses him on his forehead. He says, son, have a good night's sleep. He says, daddy, I think I will. Daddy walks away and says, you know what? I think I will too. I think I will too. You know, the Bible tells me the Lord's always faithful. 2 Timothy 2, 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful and cannot deny himself. <laughs> you know, when I don't trust him, he's still trustable. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. When I think, well, I don't know if the Lord could do it. I can understand this. He can. He's always faithful. I think about when we're tempted, he's faithful. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation is taken to you, but which is common to man. And he goes on to say, but God is faithful. I'm so glad he is tonight when we're tempted. He's faithful when we serve. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He's faithful when we're in trouble. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. <laughs> he's faithful. He's faithful when we sin. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful. You know what? When I look at this man, I'm not going to be hard on this man. I look at this dad and I think, he had the right idea to take his son to the Lord. I believe he believed the Lord, but then when something didn't happen with the others, with the other disciples, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And sometimes you and I get that way too. Maybe tonight what our prayer ought to be is say, Lord, I believe you, but help my unbelief. Sometimes I have a little bit of problem just trusting you completely like I should. Maybe we ought to be like this father. Say, Lord, help my unbelief, because it was after that. What do we find? That that boy was healed. That devil was cast out. God's there all the time for us, isn't he? How good it is to be a Christian. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you're saved, you're missing so much. But if you know the Lord, you got somebody, you say, Preacher, you know, sometimes I get that way. I look and I see what's happening in our world today, and I, I start worrying. The Lord says, don't worry, I've got everything in control. And maybe tonight we need to say, Lord, I believe you, but help my unbelief. There's a little part of me there where sometimes I have trouble just trusting you. Help my unbelief. Tonight, if you're not saved, you need to put your faith and trust in Christ. 
And you can know you're saved. You can know, know, know you're saved. Tonight, whatever it is in the situation in your life, whatever it seems to bother you, maybe it's a health thing, a financial problem, whatever it might be, a family problem, we say, Lord, I believe you. But when we look, we find a little bit of unbelief, say, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe you'll help us, won't you? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, it's, it's so good. Lord, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to read this story here and see what you did. And, Lord, it's, it, it's something that we can apply in our own lives. It happened a long time ago, but, Lord, we, we're, we're flesh like that daddy was flesh and that boy was flesh. And, Lord, just like everybody else ever been made, ever been born with that flesh. Lord, I pray we'll be a people that'll trust you, we'll believe you. But, Lord, uh, may we tonight, too, say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. With our heads bowed, eyes closed, I wonder if there anyone here tonight said, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I need to be saved. I wonder if you're here this morning, this evening, and you're not sure you're saved, you need to trust the Lord. I want to be in one tonight said, Preacher, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I'd like to know it. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up, anyone today, tonight? Preacher, I'm not sure of salvation. Christian, tonight. Everything all right between you and the Lord? Hey, got some problems there going on? You know, maybe tonight you just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. It's pretty easy when everything's going well. You say, man, I, I, don't, I, I believe God. It's when those trials come. And ladies and gentlemen, they will happen. Help my unbelief. God speaks to your heart. The altar's open tonight. Father, bless now this invitation, I pray. Once again, have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.